My dogs go outside and synchronize their shits with more order than the Houston Texans organization. Don't take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? Don't take care of y'all mental. Welcome into the Fantasy Execution Podcast. I am your host, Coach Shadi. With me now and always, my boy Kyle Settle. What's going on, dude? Football is what's going on. This is amazing. We're recording Thursday night football, playing as we record this one. We've got a heck of a matchup so far. Closing in on halftime. Tampa with a slim lead. Cowboys in a two-minute offense. Ooh, I missed it. Oh, you're getting back to your play-by-play roots. This is exciting. Oh man, it's coming I out of me. Stop you. Yeah. So we're like. Kyle said we're, we're going to be doing these Thursday night shows with uh, live reactions in the middle of these Thursday night games. So you guys can expect this for the rest of the season. I'm excited for it. Yeah, obviously Kyle's excited for it. Uh, but there has been some news that we got to talk about, man. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! Extra, extra, read all about it. Check it out. Newspapers for sale. We have breaking news. Breaking news. I'm toasted. You are fake news. And boom goes the dynamite. So first things up on the news, Gus Edwards tore his ACL. So these these Ravens backs, man, they, they're cursed. Brutal. There has to be a reason. There has Brutal. to be a reason. Yeah, was and, uh, did Baltimore yeah. build their stadium on like an ancient Native American burial ground or something? Because that's the only reason I can see to justify all these injuries to one position group. It's been insane. It's insane. And they brought in a bunch of old backs, so I bet you there's going to be some more injuries oh, my uh, coming goodness. down the pipe. I mean, could you imagine this Le'Veon backfield? Bell. Could you imagine this backfield five years ago with Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman? That's <laughs> oh, the greatest backfield of all time, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, they signed Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman. So two older, cast-off veteran running backs. Um, guys that most of us weren't thinking that we'd see in an NFL uniform this season. But when something this crazy happens to one team, they're almost uh, you know back against the wall. They need guys on the roster. They need bodies. And I guess you'd rather go with the older guys that you know have a grasp on the position and can understand an offense. And uh, I understand the signings. They're not exactly inspiring. Um, but I understand it. I know you have uh, more faith in Tyson Williams than I do. Uh, what, what would you say to those Tyson Williams owners or those Gus, Gus Edwards owners about Tyson Williams? Yeah, so it's, it's every, every situation is going to be unique. But the way I'm looking at Tyson Williams is as a one-year rental. I, I was a big buyer of Gus Edwards because no matter the situation, he's going to be usable at least as a deep play and then we all knew he had the Dobbins upside but next year Dobbins comes back Edwards comes back they both get hurt before week one so the timeline for an ACL for both these guys should put them back ready to play by training camp next season which relegates Tyson Williams back to RB3 duties so if you are a contender and that's something we're going to be getting into as we start to get into the season on moves that we should be making if we're contenders and different moves we should be making if we're a rebuilder if you're a rebuilding team you should not want anything to do with Tyson Williams he's not going to help you in your rebuild on top of the fact that 
that he's going to be relegated to third running back duties. He's 25 years old. He's not exactly a young running back. But he is, however, my favorite of the committee just because he's the only one who was in the offense a week ago. Not to say Le'Veon Bell's not going to get some play. Not to say that Devontae Freeman may not get called up to the active roster. It may be an ugly committee, but as you and I were talking about earlier, Baltimore backfield has more volume than any other running game really in the league this is not like we're talking about the committee over in new york with the jets where it's going to be a bad offense a lot of throwing the football playing catch up and just really don't want any part of that backfield i do think that even if tyson williams is just pulling in 50 percent of the rushes maybe 60 percent that he still is going to be usable not necessarily as the rb1 rb2 level that we wanted out of dobbins and then eventually gus edwards but i think he is playable at least as a deep flex so my big question with this offense is, is this the push they needed to start throwing the ball a little bit more to become more <laughs> multiple as a, as a philosophy? Like, do you, do you think this changes things at all for the offense I, as a whole? I don't know because <laughs> let's not act like the passing game didn't get pretty beat up this off season as yeah, well. Marquise Brown's always hurt. And then of course you got the first round pick Rashad Bateman. He's on the shelf for at least a, uh, six, eight weeks, so he's going to miss half the season. So, I mean, if Sammy Watkins inspires that much confidence out of you, then, yeah, throw the ball 40 times a game. But I think it just means a win for fantasy football's Lamar Jackson. He's just going to get all sorts of volume now. It, the only plays that he's not involved in fantasy-wise, I mean, he's getting points for his rushes, he's getting points for his passes, obviously. It's when he hands the ball off that he's not getting fantasy points. Now, if your options are uh, ancient, decrepit Le'Veon Bell or undrafted free agent 25-year-old Tyson Williams – that I think we're going to see a lot more just overall Lamar Jackson volume, and it could mean great things. I, I already had him, and I think you did. I think you had him as your QB3 going into the season. I had him as yeah. my QB2. So we were already higher than consensus on him, and I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him go back to being the QB1 in fantasy. Totally. And on a dynasty angle, this, this shouldn't change anything for uh, for Lamar owners. But, uh, you know, that Gus Edwards hype, that's out the window. J.K. Dalvin's gone. Tyson Williams might be the only guy that has some value in this backfield, but I'm a little bit lower on him than you are. But we can I, get I will on to say that another day. I will say real quick that if you are a J.K. Dobbins owner and you don't have Gus Edwards stashed at the end of your bench, he is one of the very few players in this league who I think is the actual handcuff. You saw how excited everyone got for him when Dobbins went down. This may be a buy low opportunity if you are the Dobbins owner to go ahead and acquire your handcuff as cheap as he's going to get. Make an offer right now for that Gus Edwards owner and try to get him on your bench to handcuff him in 2022. Yeah, that's good advice, especially in Dynasty. I mean, you guys got to be prepped and ready to, to get these guys on your team and it might be worth overpaying slightly. All right. Moving on, Austin Eckler popped up with a hamstring injury. Um, he was sidelined for the past two days at practice, but he was seen in shoulder pads and a helmet. So his uh, his status for week one is up in the air, but the charges are, in quotes, optimistic that he'll be available. You, as an Austin Eckler owner, this has had to be rough to see, but um, are you worried about his availability and maybe you know further this this injury uh, lingering further into the season? Or what? Yeah, I mean, I mean for sure, it's never definitely not good news. Uh, there's not going to be nearly as much analysis on this as we do talking about Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins in that backfield. Obviously, if Eckler's healthy, he's play you're playing him, and if he's not, you you look elsewhere. But I will say that I am not a believer at all. Anyone else going on in that backfield in L.A.? Uh, Larry Roundtree is brought in to be. The Austin Eckler replacement should he miss time, but he's nowhere near as talented as Austin Eckler. So it's not like he's a one-for-one -one replacement. He's going to be splitting with Josh Jackson, Joshua Kelly. They both got their shot with six games without Austin Eckler last year, and it was 
uninspiring, and we will get to how uninspiring it was uh, when we get into the main uh, part of the show. So I'm not really interested in any of the handcuffs here. If Eckler plays, you play him. If he doesn't, you don't. That's simple. Uh, we get through these next few ones pretty quick, guys. We're going to stay light on the news here. Curtis Samuel had a setback suspected to be out week one. I mean, I, I, could, I, I couldn't be more disappointed in the offseason that we've seen. It's been a rough uh, one. Curtis Samuel um, had a lot of high hopes for him going back to uh, coaching staff that was comfortable with him in Carolina and the way he had a, kind of a mini breakout last year. But, man, it's you can't imagine you're going to get what you paid uh, for Curtis Samuel. Get back what you paid for Curtis Samuel. Um, with all the the problems he's had in this offseason, I mean, the injuries coming into an, a slightly newer offense, uh, a new quarterback, it's just not a guy you want to have shares in. So, you know, if there's somebody out here who might be a little bit more into him, it might be time to move on from Curtis Samuel, especially this year uh, or at least early this season. Positive spin, if you are a Diami Brown owner, this could open the door for him to get on the field. It looked like he was probably going to be at least the WR4, maybe the WR5 to start the season. Injury to Samuel, if he can't stay on the field, look for the rookie Diami Brown. I believe, what was he, a uh, third-round pick to get on I the field a little sooner? Third or fourth-round pick out of North Carolina, yeah. There you go. Yeah, deep threat. Um, he had a, a solid profile, not, not, not anything that would blow you away, but definitely good enough to play second fiddle to Terry McLaurin. So if they are going to be throwing a lot more in that offense, uh, Diamond Brown could be the biggest beneficiary. So it's official. Deshaun Watson will not be the starting quarterback for the Texans, but he is remaining on the active roster. So what does that mean? It means that he still wants to trade. Uh, all this stuff that's lingering around him is still there. Don't think we're going to see anything changing out of this, but it's just a, a surprise that they're leaving him on the active roster. My dogs go outside and synchronize their shits with more order than the Houston Texans organization. That's all I'll say about it. Copper and Penny? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Copper and Penny. (laughs) It's weird that I remember your dog's name. Hey, good for you, man. And uh, finally, we'll close it out here with with a little bit of housekeeping. DeAndre Swift. Yes, DeAndre Swift running (laughs) back for the Lions. Uh, Word on the street. Not word on the street. Word from the Lions, actually. Uh, they say that he's going to have no limits to his workload this upcoming week, which is great to hear. He's had that groin injury lingering for quite a while. And uh, some other notable fantasy assets, Noah Fant, Brandon Ayuk, A.J. Brown, and Paris Campbell all returned to practice this week. So a lot of guys getting some positive news coming into week one. That's great to see after all the uh, destruction of major fantasy assets that we've seen over the past few weeks. But it's time, my bud. We are moving into the main course are no doubters and no chances. No chance, so that's what you got. Even when stop on, this is she couldn't doubt me. No chance in hell. Fly ball, wild left center field. That's a no doubter. He no doubt. This is unbelievable. No chancers and no doubters. So what's that mean? A no doubter to us is a guy that is getting drafted at a certain spot in the draft that we think there's no doubt that they will exceed expectations. They will beat that ADP. And our no chancers on the other end are the guys that have no chance of living up to the ADP. So we each have a guy for our no doubter and our no chancer, four guys total. And I'm going to send it to you first, a guy we kind of already talked about here. All right, my first no-doubter is the running back of the L.A. Chargers, Austin Eckler. So right now he's going as the RB13 in half-point PPR. Now there obviously is a little bit of a 
Go ahead and check yourself real quick. Obviously, if he misses game one, it's a long season, but that's definitely going to hurt him. But I'm confident even if he misses a couple of weeks that he still is going to crush that RB13 ADP. So Austin Eckler owners may have a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth after what they got out of him last year where he only played 10 games. But let's remember that during those 10 games, he was still on a 17-game pace of 197 carries and 901 rushing yards, 92 catches for 685 yards, and five total touchdowns. Doesn't sound incredibly impressive, but when you look at that culmination, that actually would have been good for the RB7 last year in half-point PPR. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, okay, maybe I only take him in PPR. I stay away from him in standard. That same exact stat line would have finished as the RB10 in standard scoring. So either way, he beats the ADP as long as he stays healthy in 2021. He is the number two receiver for that L.A. Chargers offense. It's not Mike Williams. It's not going to be Jared Cook. He is the number two option behind Keenan Allen in L.A. He was second on the team last year in target share in the games he played, and he only scored three touchdowns. That's where the real negative look for him really came from is the fact that he didn't get into the end zone. But back in 2019, when he was still sharing this backfield with Melvin Gordon, he punched it in 11 total times. So I expect that touchdown number to go up. If he doesn't get goal line work, then maybe it doesn't go back into double digits. But three touchdowns is pretty low for a an early down or primary down running back. And Austin Eckler, I expect to see that number at least around half a dozen or maybe better. Looking at the team and some of the changes that they've made this offseason, that offensive line is day and night different. They can expect up to four brand new starters. They added Corey Lindsley in free agency, one of the best, if not the best, center in football. And their first round pick at the 113, they picked up Rashawn Slater. Also, the guys that they did have last year had a really tough time staying in the lineup. The whole right side of their offense, Trey Turner, their right guard, and Brian Belaga, their right tackle, missed a combined 13 games last season. So if they can get on the field, if they can stay on the field, it seems like this offensive line has to improve. Speaking of improving, just the health overall, this team on defense only saw two of its defensive starters play all 16 games. So nine of the 11 starters on that defense missed time last season, multiple games. And they bring in, of course, Brandon Staley, the new, the old defensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Rams last season, one of the best defenses in football. To be the head coach of these L.A. Chargers, you can expect the team as a whole to be a lot better, expect more positive game scripts, better running scenarios. When they do have to play catch-up, they're in more games longer, keeping Austin Eckler involved in all facets of the game. And But the main reason, all you don't want to buy anything I just said, the main reason that I'm in on Austin Eckler is the fact that every single running back behind him sucks. They're just not good. <laughs> Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly had their shot last season. They combined for 249 carries and 624 yards. That's two and a half yards per carry. Austin Eckler falls down, tripping over his own feet and picks up two and a half yards. And that's what these running backs behind him were averaging over the course of last season. The depth is nothing. And then Larry Roundtree, the rookie that they just brought in, he is expected to be the Austin Eckler replacement when something does happen to Austin Eckler, which unfortunately already has. But as long as this hamstring issue isn't huge, I expect Eckler to get back on the field quickly. I expect him to be one of the highest floors, if not the highest floor of all the running backs in fantasy football and smash that R. B thirteen ADP. Yeah, I think you laid out a beautiful case. I mean, the, the best thing that you pointed out, in my opinion, is that you know the easiest thing to 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 anecdotally think about 
Austin Eckler is that, oh, he's just a pass-catching running back. But then you, you throw out where he would have finished in standard scoring leagues, and you're like, wow, right. you know, the guy can do it all. You may not um, get the catches, but you still get the points for yardage. So, I mean, exactly. you're talking about yeah. someone with who was on pace for almost 700 rushing yards. That's 70 fantasy points over your course of the season. That's still a big deal. Yeah. That and the fact that they had, they're like uh, – the Green Bay Packers West with this offensive line. Corey Lindsley, Belaga. Yeah, Lindsley and Belaga. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, and Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. Um, I believe, yeah, Northwestern, I think. But they got in the first round. I, I right. loved him coming out of the draft. And I thought that was a great investment for a team that, you know, obviously saw their franchise quarterback running uh, nonstop last year. And he still put on a great show. I mean, you want to kind of su- support him and support that offense as best you can. And investing in the trenches is the way to do it. So, I really like this pick in Austin Eckler at uh, going to RB13. Totally think he can beat that. And another thing, which you kind of mentioned, um, but I just wanted to reiterate, he is he's game script proof. So, you know, no matter where they are as a team, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be involved in the game plan, whether they're up by, you know, 10 plus or down by 10 plus. He can thrive in that offense in either scenario. So I really like that pick, though. My first pick. I'm going to go with my first no-doubter, or my only no-doubter, excuse me, and that is Tua Tagovailoa. So he is going Ooh. as quarterback 21, which just blows my mind. But he's going after the likes of Kirk Cousins, Mac Jones, Ben Roethlisberger, Baker Mayfield, and Matt Ryan. So I think the biggest thing we forget about with Tua is that he has the ability to run. I mean, none of those guys that I just mentioned that are going ahead of him, they're all, they're all statues, right? And they also don't have the the weapons that, that Tua is going to be throwing to this, this upcoming year. If you look back at his season last year, 2020, he was coming into it with a major injury. He broke his hip at the end of his, uh, at, in the middle of his senior year at, at Alabama. So that was a limited all season due to the whole, you know, COVID pandemic that was going on. Um, and no hope of the offensive line play being, you know, even average last year, all that contributed to him having a very rough and rocky start to his career. But I think the best thing we can do is look back at what he was as a college quarterback as more of a predictive description of the player than what we saw last year. Because I I really think we can throw last year out with the amount of stuff that, that was going on around him and to him before he came into the league. So if you go back to what he was doing in college, starting games as a freshman, he was hyper accurate. His ball placement was fantastic. He had a career 70 to 11 touchdown to interception ratio over, over, I believe, 30 games. He had a QBR of 94.9, which is a 98th percentile uh, metric there for him, and a yards per attempt of 11.3, once again, 98th percentile over three different seasons. So I'm, I'm confident when I say that a fractured hip will slow the development of any player, no. especially a quarterback uh, hmm. coming from the SEC into the NFL. Totally different game. And you want to look at what the team did as well. He has Wolf, or not week one, but week two, he'll have Wolf Fuller. Week one, he has Jalen Waddell, Devontae Parker, and Mike Gusecki. Right, that's a lot better than what he had last year. And then the Finns themselves have at least tried to adjust their offensive line. It hasn't been the greatest offensive line in the league, and it's still not fantastic. But you got to think they brought in first-round offensive tackle Austin Jackson last year, as well as Robert Hunt. He took a big step at right tackle. And then 
in the draft this past year, they brought in a draft favorite of mine, Liam Eichenberg, guard out of O-Line University, Notre Dame. And then they also added the vet, Matt Skura, to play center. So I like what they're doing, taking shots to try to improve the offensive line and protect him. And I think if he is protected and he had this full offseason to be healthy, uh, we saw what he could do in the limited work in preseason look so much better than what he did last year. Oh, yeah. I'm Day confident, extremely confident that he can bounce back and have a great sophomore season, much better than QB 21. I'm thinking more of a yeah. high-end QB 2, around QB 13 or 14, which, I mean, in Superflex, if you're getting a QB 13 at QB 21, that's huge. I don't think – I love the pick first off, by the way. Big two, a guy myself. Obviously, we've talked about him, it feels like, at least once, twice a month for the last couple of months. Just yeah. talking about the situation he comes from. He's been bringing up – we've been bringing him up a lot. And QB 21, that's just too low. And it doesn't really matter what sort of format you're talking about. If we're talking about single quarterback, he presents a higher ceiling than the guys going in front of him. And if you want to talk about two QB, I think he honestly presents a higher floor, given the weapons and everything that you just laid out about how the team has changed – over the last, uh, from last season to this season. And if you are a Tua owner and you do manage to make it into the playoffs, here's a little cherry on top. Weeks 15, 16, and 17, the fantasy playoffs this season, he gets the Jets, the Saints, and then the Tennessee Titans. So not exactly a murderer's row of opposing defenses against him. So he should be able to finish strong at the end of the season. I'm wheels up for Tua. And, uh, now it's time for us to get a little negative. I know Kyle's all excited about this. Boo, negative, time to tear people down. Yeah. <laughs> Who is your no chancer? Who's the guy that's got no shot? All right. So, that ADP. So I have to put out a disclaimer first because, like we mentioned, we're watching this during the show or during the show during the football game right now. So one of the guys I'm going to talk about is playing in this football game, and that is Mike Evans. Mike Evans right now has two fantasy points at halftime. One catch and <laughs> 10 yards. I promise you, his week first half did not play into this fact at all. This has all been, all the prep work was done ahead of time, and I already had Mike Evans as my guy. There's no way that he matches his ADP of wide receiver 13 on the season. So Mike Evans, obviously, big body guy, red zone machine, right? But he's 28 years old. He is no spring chicken anymore. All right. The wheels, we've talked about it before for these type of receivers fall off fast and hard, and you do not want to be holding the bag when that time comes. He's coming off a great season efficiency wise back in 2020. He had 13 touchdowns, which was fourth in the NFL on only 70 catches. Those 13 touchdowns he scored was a career high for Mike Evans. And it was also done on a career low in targets. Only 109 targets to catch 13 touchdowns. That sort of efficiency is unheard of. That thing happens maybe once every few years. That type of touchdown efficiency. Don't expect it to repeat. On that offense, you have Chris Godwin, who missed a lot of last season because of injuries. Antonio Brown, who missed the first half of the season because he wasn't on the roster yet. O.J. Howard missed the bulk of the season. He could at least play a role in the team this season. And then, of course, Giovanni Bernard, who was in Cincinnati. Giovanni Bernard's one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league for a quarterback who loves throwing the ball to his running backs. Giovanni Bernard has over 100 more catches in his career than Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette have combined. And we saw Leonard Fournette's stone hands on wow. display in the in the ball game tonight. Giovanni Bernard, at some point, whether this takes a few weeks or not, is going to become that trusted agent of Tom Brady out of the backfield when he looks to throw the ball. And speaking of Tom Brady, while yes, the guy is inhuman and it's unfair to compare him to other humans, he is 44 years old. 
I, I love how we went from the narrative like five, six years ago, everyone saying, oh, the wheels are going to fall off. And it was it was a, an annual narrative about Tom Brady is, oh, the end is coming, the end is near. And then this year, you didn't hear that from a single person. You didn't hear a single <laughs> negative thing about to Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, you hit 44. Oh, well, it's just coasting at that point. You're fine. You're in the clear. You made it past the age yeah. fall off. No. It, just, let's just not pretend like it's not possible that he does decline massively. <laughs> As a guy who's going to be applying for his social security here any day. I mean, he's 44 <laughs> years old. So let's not act surprised when he doesn't throw for 6,000 yards like everyone's expecting. So tailing this back in, bringing it all back into Mike Evans. Look at the game tonight. Look at the game in your rear view and just look at where he is at the best third on the totem pole for targets right now. Antonio Brown had the entire offseason to learn the offense now as opposed to coming in halfway through the season. He looks Man, like he may he be the good. number one. He looks he great looks in the great. first half. I mean, even without that bomb, that last score that they had in the last few minutes there, he was still demanding a lot of targets. It was the Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin show. And like I said, we haven't even seen Giovanni Bernard really be incorporated in this offense yet. And I just don't see the efficiency repeating, and that's what it's going to take for Mike Evans to finish anywhere near wide receiver 13. I think he's got a better chance of finishing somewhere down in the mid-20s, maybe even late 20s for the season, if we can expect him to only get a couple of targets a half. I mean, that, that type of efficiency is insane, and it doesn't repeat itself, and it's why Mike Evans, for me, is no shot at making that wide receiver 13 ADP payoff. Yeah, I mean, th this offense is great, and you want to have pieces of this offense, but Getting him at cost is just—he's cost prohibitive. You know, it would—it would be nice to have him on your team, but where he's going is just—it's not worth it. Yeah. There's too many good, great wide receivers going around him that have less question marks, and it sucks because oh, like sure. Mike Evans is a great—he's always—he's been a great fantasy wide receiver for a long time, and uh, it's hard to to look past the name Mike Evans, Mike Evans, and be like, you know what? There's better options. But oh, he's been so consistent. Is, yeah. yeah, but the fact of the matter is, there's better options and. Uh, when you lay Absolutely. out a case like this, it's easy to see that that he's definitely going too high, and he's a good, great, great pick for uh, a no no chance type of player. No chance he lives up to that ADP. So my my second player is another quarterback, and it hurts because this this quarterback is uh, a quarterback. Was that a pun? I love. Did you just <laughs> no, did it, you just lead us in with the Oh, it's not about Jalen. It's not Jalen Hurts. No, it hurts because I, I love I love this kid. I love his story. But it, the fact of the matter is, is he's overvalued this year. And that's Joe Burrow going at quarterback 13. Mm, I like it. So after a solid start to his rookie year, he had a major in injury that we you know, we all saw Chase Young just destroy his knee. And, uh, you know, reports from reporters and himself is that the, re the recovery process has been really tough. It's been really hard for him to trust his knee and to be able to put pressure on that and, and follow through with his throws and, for a guy who doesn't exactly have the strongest arm in the world, that's a huge problem to me. Um, so you have that coming into the season. And then you look at what his team did in the offseason, trying to bolster his weapons instead of, mm -hmm. you know, buying into protecting him, similar to like what we said about the Chargers and, and Justin Herbert. You have, you have this quarterback with a bunch of potential. What do you do? You spend your money and your resources getting guys to protect him. You know, you'd much rather have your quarterback throwing to average targets with great protection than great targets with no protection, right? Oh, I have three kids and no money. Why can't I have no kids and three money? So that's something they they decided to go with Jamar Chase instead of Penny Sewell. Big problem with, with me in terms of team building and philosophy as an organization. We've talked about that a bunch. Yeah. And then 
let's you know dive into the offensive line a little bit more. They're, they've been ranked 25th in the league coming into the season by PFF. So, uh, you know, Penny Sewell could have helped out a lot. Oh, but then you, you look at Jamar Chase and you, and you go, you know, Jamar Chase was was his number one target in college. You know, they'll have an instant connection. And, and maybe that's true, but Jamar Chase hasn't exactly had the greatest offseason either. I mean, once again, going back to the PFF, he graded out as a 29.5 in the preseason. And, yeah, I checked. That's that's not a typo. It's actually 29.5. <laughs> uh, he looks really bad. And I'm not – I don't think that's what his career – I don't think that's exactly right. how his career is going to go. But starting off his rookie year uh, with a, a quarterback who doesn't have a bunch of trust in, trust in his leg and he has the yips, it's – it just – it doesn't exactly inspire hope. Okay, and so he, he's had the worst possible offseason you could ask for. And if you go back to what he did last year, he was at the points per game QB 15. Now, I, I don't think that he can't take a step forward, but he's not exactly a runner. You know, he's had he had 250 yards, I think, rushing last year, which isn't exactly enough to, to move the needle at the quarterback position. So if you think that he's going to take a step forward, it has to be with his arm and coming into the season with all these negative um, negative storylines and negative narratives and put that along with more quarterbacks coming into the league that have that Konami code, like uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, even, and I'll even throw in the quarterback I just mentioned before, Tua Tagovailo, all guys that can use yeah. their legs that are being drafted after him. It's just, I, I can't see the upside hitting, especially not early in the season. And, he really needs to make hay with his arm because it's not going to happen with his leg. So I, I just don't think that what he has coming into the season is enough to be QB 13. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, but it's definitely not going to be early. It's going to be late. And by the time that, that part of the season comes, it, it may be too late for your team if you're relying on him to start for you regularly. So quarterback 13, way too early, in my opinion, for, for Joe Burrow. No chance that he matches that ADP. So I agree with a lot of what you said. I will say that I'm not worried at all about Jamar Chase and I don't I don't think that's the point that you were trying to make at all that uh Jamar Chase was going to be part of the problem but I don't know that Jamar Chase was that much of a can't miss prospect that you pass up on the best offensive lineman in the draft in Penny Sewell and, and you have a great point about that is Cincinnati does not inspire confidence in their team building strategy when when you pass on that type of talent that, that's a situation in the draft where the best player available happens to match your area of need and that doesn't happen very often and Cincinnati completely whiffs on it they decide to make one of their strengths stronger a wide receiver where they already have an alpha in T Higgins and uh, one of the better support receivers in the slot in Tyler Boyd but instead, they decide to improve on a strength that was already strong, and they ignore probably the most or at least the second most important unit in football in the offensive line. Uh, interesting fact about Joe Burrow that you and I just randomly talked about earlier today. He's 24 years old. He's going to be 25 in season. He's older than the likes of Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and the aforementioned Tua Tungavailoa. So just because he's going into his second year, don't confuse that for overall youth. He's going to be 25 before the season's over. You may not be getting as young of a player as you think you're getting, like some of these 21-year-old quarterbacks who are coming into the league and have been for the last few years. As far as Burrow itself, his upside is always going to be capped as long as that offensive line performs or underperforms the way that they have in the last 
really as long as I can remember, since we were looking at this team and it was Vontae's perfect uh, knocking out Antonio Brown in the wild card round. Like as long Psycho. as I can remember, yeah, it, it, it's been just a terrible offensive line. It's been an organization that just seems to have been lucky to made it into the playoffs for as many years as they did. And they just seem to be a below average team that was just overachieving with the pieces they had. So I don't have a lot of confidence in the Bengals organization and therefore that is going to limit Burrow's upside. So yeah, I, I don't think he's returning on ADP anytime soon. That being said, if I start to see some of these pieces change, maybe a free, free agent accuracy. Acu- once the, the, there what was a g- 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 girl who want, want, want <laughs> to, can't even read. to cut it out, dude. You're going to get us in trouble. Air, air, Today, Junior! free agent acquisition this upcoming offseason where they can get some better offensive linemen or maybe they start investing some draft capital then maybe that changes my mind but right now it's hard to see the arrow pointing up for joe burrow i just i just don't see how he overcomes all of this coming off a major knee injury it's it's just really hard for me to see happen but it, it's tough it's because yeah. he is good and i don't at no point in either of these arguments yeah. did we sit here and say like no joe burrow sucks it's just the situation he's caught up in right now is is severely hindering what he can do for you in fantasy absolutely and he's actually really comparable to a guy that's been in the news a lot recently mac jones where uh you look at their college numbers very very comparable uh just you know uh, Mac Jones didn't have the storybook season and story that Joe Burrow did, but they're both right. fairly immobile quarterbacks. But one has really good weapons with no offensive line. One has not great weapons with a very good offensive line. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if those guys are finished very close to each other, Mac in his rookie year and Joe Burrow coming off a major injury. But here's a question I, for you. Here's a you question for you. Breaking news. Oh, there's breaking news. Ravens signed Latavius Murray. Oh, did that just happen? Yeah, it just happened. Golly, they're getting every 28 and up running back they can get. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, they're they're going major running back by committee, or at least two of these guys are getting cut. Uh, the, the thing is, like, uh, none of these guys obviously play special teams. They're too old. They're just too old. He has a five-year plan. What is it? Don't die? <laughs> they can't play special teams, so it's like you're loading up a running back room where you're going to have, what, four or five guys and what one of them, I think, uh, who's the lower guy that they added uh, not too long ago? Trenton Cannon. Yeah, Trenton Cannon, I think, plays teams. But then you got these three old-ass guys who are no way they're going out there on punt coverage. It's like, I'm really curious to see what their active roster is going to be on game day. How many of these guys are going to be game day inactives? How many of them stay on the practice squad? How many of them are even on the roster in a, in a month? This, this is a developing situation. It's going to absolutely stay fluid with this situation. All right, do not dig in your heels. No one knows the way that this situation is going to look a month from now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, tomorrow's Friday. Friday morning, there's going to be takes left and right about who's yeah. going to be leading the backfield. Take it one step at a time. I mean, most most teams carry, I think, three running backs, maybe four. Three or four, and, yeah, usually. And they already have five on the roster. Two of them are well past their prime. One is at the very end of uh, being relevant. Um, another one is 27, has been kind of a career backup. And another one's a undrafted free agent. So a lot of confusing you know, roles to kind of sort through there in Baltimore. And this might take one, two, three weeks to sort out before we know who yeah. is the alpha down there in Baltimore. It's going to be tough, man. Uh, 
stay water. If you can get a buy high, if you have one of these guys and you can get a, a buyer out there, I, I'm willing to take just about anything to sell. If you, especially if it's one of these veteran guys, the Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman. If you're still stashing those guys at the end of your roster, take whatever you can get for them. All right, because I just I don't see any situation where a, a fourth round pick doesn't return higher value than you're going to get total out of any one of these guys. Yeah, no doubt. All right, man, that'll do it. That's the end of the show. But actually, we have one more segment. <laughs> I always forget about this one. Do you remember? Oh, I remember. Ooh, maybe. You know this Remember Bishop Sankey? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> One of the Sankey. biggest busts. Like I knew you remembered him. That wasn't that wasn't really the question. It's like I got to get his name out there. We can never forget Bishop Sankey and how he made every single fantasy football player what like 2013 just completely question everything they knew about the running back position because it was always his year. University of Washington, right, Bishop Sankey? Yeah, I remember purple, so that would that would match the narrative. Yeah. And every year uh, is his year, man. Every year, oh, this is Bishop Sankey's year, right? Sankey? Yeah. It, it was a purple Carolina. team. I remember purple very distinctly. I thought you had it with Washington. I no, I mean when he came into the league, he came in that went to Carolina. No, uh, Tennessee. Tennessee, okay. Yeah, and every year was his year. <laughs> every year, it was like uh, Mir Abdullah. Every year was his year. Oh my gosh, R.I.P. <laughs> I was gonna throw out one um, because the Cowboys are playing. And we've been talking about a lot of running backs. Can you guess who I was going to mention? Ooh. Was it a good running back? He was solid, yeah. Was it... uh... Was it one of their... Was it one of them in the three-headed, more or less, committee that they had back in, like, 2010 to 2012? I think it was a little bit before that. Then, no, I'm at a loss. It was Marion the Barbarian. No, Marion Barber. Yeah, he was the lead of it. He was the power was back of that group. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Was yeah. And then he, uh, <laughs> then he finished up in Chicago. No, he was yeah. a stud, man. He that he was, was a bull physical runner. Yeah, yeah. And he was he was he was really good, man. Really good running he, back. He'd take on linebackers in no regard oh, for easy. his own health. Yeah, he was just put his head down and get through them. Marion the Barbarian. It was tough that's to watch one. him just destroy Eagles linebackers while I was a kid, but. Yeah, that's tough. (laughs) Well, you had some decent running backs around that time, too. Oh, yeah. They've always had great running backs, but just (laughs) can never put it all together. Terrible quarterback play. Hey, that's something, man. (laughs) Hang your hat. Yeah, sure. I'll take that over Super Bowls. (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right, let's finish this up. We're getting getting way off in the weeds now. We got the rest of the second half to watch. Tom Brady and Antonio Brown take the field. Oh, my gosh. Just put this game out of reach, guarantee. Yep, that'll do it. Tell the folks where to find us. Yep, follow us on Twitter at FFlexecution. All the big news, if you've been following, if you've been a follower, you know that all the big news goes right through the Twitter account no matter where it comes from. You will make sure that you get it ahead of everyone else if you follow us at FFlexecution on Twitter. Follow me at FFMasterDebater if you want to see the own personal spins that I'm putting on all this news. Yeah, a lot of Packers love and Chicago Bears hate. I, I got ratioed today really bad. Whenever I uh, I commented on one of the Chicago the Chicago Bears team page, they just put dub bear, dub bears, dub bears, and I put dot 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 still sucked, and I got ratioed my ass off. It was ugly. Dude, this is gonna show how 
inexperienced and in social media, what does being ratioed mean? Oh my gosh. <laughs> no so when you have a significant amount of comments, because there's no dislike on Twitter, right? You either like, yeah. comment, or retweet. So if you have a significant amount of comments as or as compared to the amount of likes you have on your post, it's usually because people are disagreeing with you or arguing with you or telling you you did something stupid. You always want to have way more likes and retweets than you do comments. So I got ratio because I comment on the Chicago Bears team page, and so all the Bears fans in the world come out of the woodworks to tell me, yeah, you said <laughs> All this is your Palpatine headshot. <laughs> all right, man, have a good night. Good night. Let's go.